It, oh, stop it. <laughs> Felt kind of good. Let me try that again. Pastor Paul? No, no. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah, that was good for a Presbyterian church. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Uh, what a joy it is to be every, every Wednesday night that, uh, first of all, thank you, Pastor Barb, for opening up your pulpit as you so graciously do all the time. And uh, it's, a, it's a privilege and it's an honor to be here. Uh, the one thing I can't, oh, I, this, oh, I got to use this. One thing, <laughs> one thing I, I, we were aware of from the very beginning was that this church had great foundation, uh, great foundation in word, great foundation in leadership, uh, honor in this place. And uh, I was thinking a couple of stories as I was preparing today, and, and uh, I'm not going to take long uh, here with this story, but I just want to, I, this was told to me by a, 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 a preacher quite a few years ago. He says, uh, it was supposed to be a true story, and of course, it was from a preacher, then you'd know it was maybe true, okay? But uh, there was a man some time ago, he broke his neck fixing the roof on his A-frame house. If, if you heard this, just laugh along, okay? But he was, he, he was uh, fixing his A-frame house, and uh, Lomahodi broke his neck. Because uh, when he decided to climb up this A-frame house... Um, he had nothing to tie the rope onto his waist on the other side. So what he did is he threw the rope over the, over the top of the house, over onto the other side of the house, and he was looking for something to tie it on. So he, he, he had a car, and so he tied the rope onto the bumper of his car. And uh, what happened was is that his wife needed to go to the grocery store, and uh, while he was up on the roof, uh, she went to the grocery store, and he did too. And the, and the thought concerned, that's, that's a, it's a spiritual story, because the, the thing is, is that whatever you connect to, it better be unmovable. Amen? Amen. I heard he was all broken up about it, but, you know, no. <laughs> yeah, no drums here. Amen. Praise God. All right. If you all stop laughing, we can get into the serious things of the Word of God. Aren't you glad that the Word has opened up every single service in this place, and you can trust it? Amen. There was a, a little woman who was visited by Charles Spurgeon years and years ago. He was an old-time preacher, and she, uh, he went to visit her, and she was dying, and she was laying on her bed there, and uh, he looked down, and he saw her Bible. Uh, and so he picked it up, and as he was looking through it and scrolling through the pages, he, he saw all these verses in this Bible, and they were initialed with a, a T and a P. And uh, he, he was curious, and so he says, can you tell me what this T and P represents? And the little old lady, she says, well... I found out that God supplies all my need, and this book is tested and proven. How many are glad that your, the Word of God is tested and proven in your life today? Amen. Uh, I want to talk uh, for a short while today, as what most preachers say, but um, Concerning something that's important for us in this day and hour that we're living, especially in 2024, and that is uh, concerning obedience. Uh, the title of my message has changed two or three times, and uh, here's the one I finally came up with. Obedience to God keeps me one step ahead of the enemy. Now, that's just the, that's just the first course because I've got something else I want to share with you also. But it's important for us to realize uh, the, the needed uh, urgency for obedience uh, in this day and hour that we live in. How many can say yes to that? Uh, there were probably two scriptures that I learned before I learned anything else. Uh, 
Pastor Lonnie, one was John 3.16. Of course, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then the other one was found in the Old Testament. And uh, I'm going to quote that one tonight. It's 1 Samuel 15th chapter and the 22nd verse, which is obedience is better than sacrifice. And when you come from a preacher's family, you realize that both of those scriptures are, are used quite regularly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what I want to talk about tonight is the obedience. When we, when we take a look at that scripture there in 1 Samuel, obedience is better than sacrifice. The story behind that is, of course, King Saul uh, had been given a mandate by God uh, to spare nothing. Go into and fight this battle and spare nothing. But he spared King Agag. And then uh, Samuel came along and, and started inquiring of King Saul, what's this bleeding of, uh, of the sheep I hear in the background? And, and King Saul uh, went and tried to explain his disobedience to Samuel, and Samuel wasn't taking it. And finally, we find there in that verse, 22nd verse, he says, to obey is to better, than better, better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And we find numerous instances in the Word of God where the children of Israel refuse to obey. Uh, how many know that when God asks us to do something, it's for our own good? He's not talking to, to, to let him so he can hear himself. He's talking for a specific purpose, and that is for our good in life. Uh, when you are obedient to God... You will always be at the right place, at the right time, never early, never late. God has specific instructions for you and I for a life, and he does it for a specific purpose. Uh, how many know that wisdom comes from your last act of, of obedience? Disobedience can create doubt and cre can create worry, uh, lack of confidence, uh, it can be a, a, a lack of boldness. It can be a, conf a lack of confidence to come into his presence. I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time. Uh, I wor work with my dad uh, not only in uh, sports, uh, but also in work. Um, and I spent a lot of time with my dad. One thing he was able to determine uh, very quickly in life, in my life, was when I was disobedient. Because when I was disobedient, I didn't like to spend a lot of time with him. I don't know if you had a dad or a mom like that, but they could just sense. They could just sense when there was disobedience in my life. My dad, my dad, he would, when I wasn't around much, he would just come to me and say, uh, Chuck, what's going on? And uh, he understood that my separating from him was because there was disobedience in my life. Disobedience causes separation. Disobedience causes separation from so many different relationships in our life. It's funny to think, though, as I look at the Word of God, that when the Bible talks about Jonah, you know the story about Jonah, and uh, the Bible says that Jonah arose to flee not from a certain city, but the Bible says that Jonah arose to flee from the presence of God. Uh, duh. How can, you, how can you flee from the presence of God? But Jonah, in his disobedience, was trying to get as far away from God as possible. But how many know he couldn't get that far? He couldn't get that far. I've got a couple, a couple um, scriptures I want to throw at you. Before I go into my message or my thoughts tonight. And that is in the book of uh, Matthew. So we're still talking about obedience to God keeps me one step ahead of the enemy. Uh, we, uh, th this portion of scripture in Matthew, the second chapter, uh, describes three different instances uh, of obedience. We find here in verse 13, uh, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. How many know that Herod was trying to destroy all the young children, all, all the males uh, in that region? 
Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. Then we go into verse 19, I believe it is. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for there, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose. Then verse 22. Uh, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth. We right there, right there in the very beginning of Jesus' life, we find Joseph being in obedience to the voice of God three times, and three times his life was spared. That's why I started this out today, that your act of obedience, uh, that one act of obedience keeps you one step ahead of the enemy's plans for your life. Obedience to God keeps me one step ahead of Satan's plans. One godly decision ahead. One scripture ahead. One act of obedience, as they often say, is worth a hundred sermons. Didn't hear any, any amends on that one. But it's true. Because we hear the word of God day in and day out, week in and week out. And if we would uh, be in obedience to the word of God that's spoken into our lives daily, we would be, ahead, we would be so far ahead of the enemy and his plans for our life. We must learn how to be obedient because to obey is better than sacrifice. But... There's more than just obedience, what I really want to get to tonight. Something that carries us to places that we don't have to go. And we will never get there if we just act in obedience. God wants to take us places in our life that we would never be able to get to if all we do is act in obedience. Have a couple of scriptures here. Number one is Second Peter, the first chapter, and the tenth verse says, Brethren, be even more diligent to make God's call and his choice of your of you secure. If you do, you will never stumble. And then Isaiah, the first chapter, and the nineteenth verse. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now that word willing there that we find we see obedient. But that word willing there uh, means diligent. It makes make every effort. It, may, it means strive. It means do all you can. Try even harder. Be passionate. That's kind of where I want to get to tonight. And there's something more than just obedience that you and I as children of God, as mature Christians, need to do. Is we need to not only be obedient unto the voice of God, but we need to be passionate. Because there's a lot of people who are obedient, but they're not passionate about anything. No purpose. No passion. Our passion... In regular life, but in spiritual life, our passion uh, is what propels us to go the extra mile. This coming year uh, is the Olympics. I can guarantee you if there's, if there's 2,000 Olympians uh, uh, competing this year, 2,000 of them went beyond what their, what their trainer suggested. 2,000 of them, instead of going out and partying with their friends on a Saturday night, they just says, no, I can't do that because I've, I've got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I've got to jump in that cold pool. Or I've got to get, uh, stay up till you know, 2 o'clock in the morning because I've got to run another 10 laps or 100 laps or whatever it may be. Our passion is what propels us to go the extra mile. When our obedience says, I can stop here, I don't have to go any farther. Our passion is what surpasses that. 
Never stop preparing. Never stop preparing for that moment when your passion will pay off. Uh, after 9-11, we had the, the greatest influx or enlisting of uh, uh, guys and girls and, and our sons and daughters into the, the armed forces. Uh, and uh, let me see where, if I got it here. Did I, do I have it? I may not have it. I don't think. Come on, please. Please let me have it. No, I don't. All right, that's all right. Uh, the uh, armed forces uh, with uh, with the army. Army has slogans and mottos, don't they? What's the army? Be all you can be, huh? Uh, I think the air force is aim high. Uh, let me see. Army, navy, or air force. Navy is. Uh, I forgot. Huh? It's not, not a job, it's an adventure. And of course, the Marines is the few, the proud, the Marines. I, heard, I, I, want, I read one slogan uh, from the Marines. Uh, this lieutenant colonel said, uh, they're on our right, they're on our left, they're in front of us, and they're behind us. He says, they can't get away from us now. That's passion. That's passion. Never stop preparing for that moment when you are propelled to do more than you were just asked to do in obedience. Because God is looking for not, uh, not just obedience, but he's looking for passion. Obedience will only take you and I so far. Passion takes us where we didn't have to go. We begin to see experiences and, and, and experience things uh, and, and realize things never, bore, never, never before understood. Uh, Ephesians, the third chapter, in the 20th verse. God's passionate about you. How many know that today? Ephesians, the third chapter, in the 20th verse says, Now to him who is able to do what? exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. God's passionate to want to be invested in your and my life. God's passionate. He wants, he wants you and I to succeed. He wants you and I to go farther than, than our, our, our parents ever thought we would. Uh, farther than our, our uh, so-called loved ones ever. Farther than our friends ever thought we could possibly go. Those childhood friends of ours that says, you never amount, you, you need to stay on my side of the tracks. Stay on this side. Don't be passionate about anything. If you're going to go and be all that God wants you to be, you cannot simply live in obedience, but also passion. The problem is, is the danger is just walking in obedience is is that some people want to know where they can stop. Where they can stop. Why? So they don't have to do anymore. So they don't have to do anymore. Well, I was obedient. Ever heard that one? Well, that's not my job. That's not my job to pick up that piece of paper. That's not my job to go help that person. That's definitely an employee of the year, isn't he? It's not, it's not my job to do this. It's not my job to do that. I've even heard it in the church. Don't you know I'm, I'm destined for the platform? Hmm. If that's the case, then you need to, I guess, set your blessed assurance down and get a passion for Jesus Christ. I had a, I had a mentor, a, a father figure in the faith. His name was Maurice Hart. Uh, he, was, he was always having people come up to him, young men, young women come up to him and say, I feel God's called me into the ministry. 
what advice could you give me? And this one young guy uh, came up to him and was talking to him, and uh, he says, thank you, uh, Dr. Hart, and he started walking away, and Dr. Hart was following behind him, and all of a sudden he heard, out, he heard this voice, you just blew the first step. You just failed the first test. Because as the young man was walking, here was a piece of paper sitting on, laying on the floor. And he walked right past it. Dr. Hart says, you just failed the first test. God's called us to be do more. Do more than was asked of us. Have a passion. There should be a passion in our soul, our heart, our spirit to go, to do to be what no one asked of us to do. You can be obedient without being passionate, but you cannot be passionate without obedience. Study the Word of God because you have a passion, not because of duty. Sing to the Lord because you have a passion, not because you have a microphone in your hand. My father, uh, he had, I'd just be perfectly honest, he had a terrible voice. I mean. Shower didn't even help him. Uh, but he would sing unto the Lord like nobody's business. He did not care. His, his thought was, uh, God made the canaries as well as he did the crows. He had a passion to sing unto the Lord. Pray unto the Lord because you have a passion. If, if I were to do a, every head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, and say how many have been praying as much this week as you did during the 21-day fast, there may have to be some repentance in this place today. Pray. Pray, pray, study the Word of God. Be passionate about these things because there is a time that will come. I was talking about the military earlier. There, there's a time that will come when these young men and women go into the armed forces and they go through basic training. And uh, if you're in the infantry, I imagine you get a, you get a rifle and uh, you learn how to take that rifle apart piece by piece over and over and over and over again. It's not just enough to take a look at it and rack it. Oh, that sounds good. And, oh, that's where the bullet goes in. And, oh, that's the, that's, the, that's the trigger right there. Yeah, I know how to do this. No, they take, they, they take that rifle and they take it apart. They put it back together. They take it apart, and they put it back together. They take it apart in the dark. They put it back together in the dark. So why, why is this? So the, when, the, when the warfare comes in their life, they're not wondering which end is up. They know exactly what that rifle will do. They know exactly what the Word of God will do. They know exactly what happens when they pray. Why? Because they have a passion for the things of God. Let me give you a couple instances here. In 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter, we find a story about King David. He wasn't king yet, uh, as far as man was concerned. But uh, this is the story of King David in the, the 23rd chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. Says, and David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now, this is this is a time when David had already gathered to him or four hundred men uh, of that were in need of they were in debt, they were in distress, and they were in discontent. These these men came to David, and so uh, this is what this is the scenario. And uh, they, the, then the Bible says, and he said, far, uh, no, no, 
Verse 16, excuse me. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out unto the Lord. These three men, now the, the, these three men were mighty men, but uh, the word says that there was 37 uh, mighty men that uh, were following David. And this is out of the group of 400 that came to him just a short while before that were in debt, that were in distress, and that were in discontent. But yet now God calls them a mighty man. It wasn't because of their great brawn, I don't believe, because there's no record of that. There's, it's not because they had the greatest weapons. God, God placed them in David's life and they saw value in the leadership that, that God had brought them here. Hear, hear me what I'm saying today. They, they saw value in the leadership that God had placed them under. God sent this man into their life to develop them. He was not a hireling, but a sent and a set Man of God. Aren't you glad today that you're in a place? Amen? Not a hireling. This place has leadership that has been called by God. And what this place will produce, where we used to, some people may have been in debt and distress and discontent, what this place will produce if we are obedient and passionate for the things of God and follow the leadership of this place, it will produce mighty men and women of God. When I see it, that when I look at that story, it says that David poured out the water that they had risked their lives to, to go get. One thing passion will keep you from is being, offend, being offended. Because when you are tied to leadership with passion, if Pastor Paul starts talking about your mother, you say, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> when some other pastor in this place starts talking about something that is stepping on your toes, say, praise God. Because my relationship to this leadership has passion to it. Has passion. Because it's not about me. It's about him. They were passionate about their leader. What God was doing and the call of God on their life. They were seeing what God was doing and it was creating passion in them. you got to have passion to go, go through the the. the the, the lines of the enemy break into where you're not supposed to be, get some water and bring it back. One thing I've learned in my life that I've lived is to honor the people that God brings into my life. And here's a phrase or here's a thought process that I've always, as long as I, I can remember, I was taught this, and I took it very quickly early in life, is this. If you will honor, if you will honor, excuse me, if you will honor who God sends into your life, God will send those he honors. If you will honor those that God sends into your life, he will honor them. And he bring them to you. It's important for you to understand that. We take a look at that scripture just before that. Just a couple of scriptures before. In verse 11. And this is talking about one of those men. His name is Shammah. And after him was Shammah, the son of A.G., the Hararite. Uh, the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, 
and killed the Philistines, so the Lord brought about a great victory. Here we have Shammah, and he has passion. He has passion. The other, the other Israelites, they're running for cover. And here Shammah walks out into the middle of a, of a field of peas. And he stands there waiting for the Philistines to come and see him. That's passion. That's boldness. It wasn't just obedience. Obedience was, the other guys are back at camp. But Shammah says, no more, no more, no more. This may be just a small pea patch, but it's my pea patch. This may be just a small church, but it's my church. This may be just, uh, my family just may be small, not much at all, but it's my family. My blessing, my finances, it's mine, and I'm going to stand and fight for it. Why? Not just uh, because of obedience, but because of passion. Passion. It may not be much but it's mine. Not because of others' expectations, not just because of obedience, but because of passion. One other thing. Let's be, pa let's be passionate against sin. Let's be passionate about sin. Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 24th verse 24th verse. I don't know if I, I, I brought this out before or not, but it, it, I, had to, I had to speak this out. Matthew, the 6th chapter and the 24th verse says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That, that verse there can be broken down into kind of two, two parts. First part is you cannot serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other. Stop right there. Now, hate or love is not the problem because I'm never going to hate God and I'm never going to love the world. My problem is the second part where it says, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. That's the part that will trip me up. Maybe it will trip you up too. We'll find out here. Because that word despise is a very special word. It's a word, you would call it an Esau word. Because we find in Genesis, the 25th verse in the 25th chapter, in the 34th verse, it says, And Esau ate and drank, so Esau despised his birthright. He despised his birthright. Now, despise does not mean hate. Here's what despise means. Did not value. Esau did not value his, he didn't hate his birthright. He just stopped valuing his birthright. He devalued it. Despise doesn't mean hate. It simply means no longer of value. No longer cared, he no longer cared for or guarded. We've got to, we've got to make sure that we care for, continually care for and guard our life in Christ, our testimony in Christ, the Word of God that flows through us in Christ. Because to be truthful today, we have a lot of, a lot of people have lost their awe. They've lost their awe because they don't guard things like they should. Be passionate. 
Guard your alone time. Guard your prayer time. Guard your Bible time. Guard your intimacy. Guard your gift. Guard your gifting. Too much of our church in this day and hour. Don't 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 send send the emails to I don't care dot com. What you think? But there's too much of the body of Christ that has been under ministry that had lost their awe for the presence, the power, the anointing, the pure anointing of God in their midst. Be passionate about your alone time. Never stop preparing. That's where that passion comes from. I'm a sports guy, okay, all my life. Uh, And uh, yes, the Lions... I have, I've, I've had one season in 55 where, where they're good for, good for something. <laughs> Packers. <laughs> Packers. <laughs> Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Here's the... the Got people in the front here going in the flesh right now. Uh, <laughs> the, the Lions have a, have a wide receiver. His name is Amon St. Brown. No one, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter to anybody else here. But since I've got the microphone, I'm going to explain it to you. He's a great, he, he has become a great wide receiver. He, he has become a great wide receiver because uh, his passion didn't stop at, at being drafted. Or his passion didn't, let me go back further. His passion didn't stop at him being a star at high, in high school football. It didn't stop at him being, uh, getting a scholarship to a university or a college. It didn't stop with him uh, graduating and being one of the best wide receivers in college football. It didn't stop at him being drafted in the National Football League. There's a lot of things that tried to trip him up. He was scheduled to be a late first-round wide receiver. Uh, He ended up being round four, uh, number 200. In the in the national uh, the the draft that year, uh, and he he signed down to the Detroit Lions. Still to this day, he's making millions of dollars. He's set for life. Still to this day, after practices, he will uh, get this uh, machine that throws out footballs to catch. Okay, it's called a jugs gun, something like that. I think it's called, and. Uh, after everyone else is off the playing field, he will stay around for two hours and catch 200 passes. Why? Because he has a passion. He, he could stop playing right now and retire and have all the money that he needed for a comfortable life for the rest of his life. Uh, he, could, he could start tanking it and stop catching all those balls, and just kind of uh, work his way through another contract and, and get the money and walk away. But there's something that drives him. It's called passion. God desires for us to be passionate. Too many people have lost that awe that reverence, that desire to be all that we could be to the body of Christ. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter in the 18th verse says, be filled with the Spirit. The problem is, is that I have a leak problem. I leak. And the only way for me to continue to be filled is to continue 
to be filled. The Bible says, be filled, or the translation is, be being filled on a continuing basis. Because I, I, I'll, I'll raise my hand for everyone here. I have a leak problem. But everyone's vulnerable. Everyone is vulnerable to allow the passion to wane and for us to just settle in and just be obedient. Perhaps God's speaking to someone here tonight that your passion needs to be revived. Because it can happen to anybody. Samson lost his passion for righteousness. In Judges, the 16th chapter, it said this, I will go out, this is what Samson says, I will go out as times before. What? He didn't realize that his anointing had left him. I will go out as times before. Saul King Saul had a leakage of disobedience. The passion had left him for being obedient, and he became disobedient. You take a look at Saul and David, you see the contrast between them. Uh, Saul's sins were much smaller, if you could put it that way, than David's. David was a murderer, an adulterer. Saul never did that. But what was Saul's problem? He lacked the passion to stay in obedience. The difference between Saul and David was uh, not the act of sin, but the attitude. Saul's heart was not repentant, where David said what? Create in me a clean heart. Saul lost his passion like so many people do. Closing, talking about going back to Shammah. <coughs> Excuse me. He stood in that pea patch, and he was saying, no more. No more will I allow the enemy to come in. No more will I allow the enemy to to do what they're not supposed to do. No, no more will I allow the enemy to destroy what I at one time would have never allowed that. He said, no more. Here's, a, here's something to consider today. You must have a deep-seated, visceral, instant reaction to anything not of God. That's passion. That's passion. Something arises up. No. In your life. It's like, it's like uh, someone sitting on the edge of, of the altar here. And someone coming along and, and uh, taking a hammer. And hitting your kneecap in just the right way. You ever went to the doctor's office and that guy hit you in the kneecap? I don't have to think what's going to take place. I know that my knee, my, the, the second portion of my leg here is instantly, if he's standing in front of me, is instantly going to hit him. I don't have to think about it. Should I swing my leg out? No. Pow. That's the instant visceral reaction we should have against sin in our life. Something's trying to harm me. Robber, no more. Thief, no more. Sickness, no more. Bondage, no more. Sin, no more. Wait. What's the Bible say about weights? Cast off the sin and the what? We, we need to start having a visceral reaction concerning the weights in our life. They're there because we aren't passionate like we once were. When two, when two real warriors, pastor, when two real warriors 
face off on the battlefield, somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to die. That's passion. There's no, they have already made up in their mind. One guy's saying to the other guy, you're dying. The other guy's saying back to him, no, you're dying. There's no, tr- there's no truces here. There's no ties. I've got to have enough passion in my life to say somebody has to die. My flesh. My flesh has to die. I've got to have a passion that strives for the things of God. Strives for the great things of God. Strives for his presence in a greater way than, than I have in the last few weeks, the last few months, perhaps the last season of life. One of them has to die. In Second Kings, let me close with this. In the 13th chapter where Elisha, or Elijah, excuse me, is in front of Joash. And he tells Joash, he says, open the windows. He says, take the, take the arrows and hit them on the ground. And Joash, as the story goes, he takes the arrows and he goes, pow, pow, pow. The Bible says that Elijah was furious with him. Why? Because the Bible says he only, he says, because you only hit the ground Three times. I want to let you know you're only going to fight three more battles and then you're dying. But if you would have hit them over and 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 over again, that's passion. God desires for us to not only be obedient, but to be passionate about the things concerning him. We are facing the greatest year of our life. I believe there's, and and it doesn't take anything for me to say this, but I believe there's things that happened in 2024 that have never happened before in the spirit. Things are going to happen in the spiritual realm. Things are going to happen in our churches like never before. But it's going to take a people who are not only obedient, but they're passionate. I don't have, I don't have the, the gift of uh, a glib tongue as a minister. But I do hear the voice of God saying he desires for us to not only be obedient in the hour that we're living in, but to get passionate once again. Let me close by encouraging all of us and also those ones that are watching by the internet or however to examine your life to find out what have I stopped being passionate about or have you for too, for so long said, well, I was obedient. I did what was asked of me. But there's lacking a passion inside of you. Perhaps someone here would say, you know something, I'm not as passionate as I used to be. And definitely I'm not as passionate as I should be. In 2024, is the year that I'm going to reclaim that passion in my life. Passionate about the things of God. Passionate about His Word. Passionate about hearing from Him. I'm tired of the level of inference, offense, that the enemy has been able to do in my life or my surroundings. And I have let it take place. We often talk about COVID. Someone was saying back then, 
and still seems to be a, a truth to a certain extent now that I uh, can't wait till we get back to normal. No. I pray that we never get back to normal. But on the other hand, I believe there's portions of our spiritual walk that we've got to get up even beyond that because we have slackened. You may disagree with me, but I believe that the hour is at hand where God's desiring for us to be passionate like we never have before. Will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for for your grace. We thank you for your grace, Lord. As I opened up talking about King Saul's disobedience and what it cost him, just one act of disobedience cost him his kingdom. Lord, you've been so gracious to us. Your grace has abounded to us. You've given us chance upon chance, time and again. But the hour is late. There's much to do and a short time to do it. Lord, revive in your people a passion once again to go beyond simple obedience and to pursue a passion for you to do the things you've called us to do to minister to people that you've impressed upon us time and time again to stretch forth that obedience into passion so that it changes people's lives In Jesus' name, amen.